0: Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra, here in Congested, ready to talk about some. we we'll have a look at a special episode today. We're really excited for this one. It's going to be a two-parter. Uh, we've got this segment, which features a special guest and uh, then we're gonna go ahead and recap and preview uh some chicago red stars game week stuff for you guys uh so there's a lot to get into uh, but this is going to be affectionately referred to as the Casey kruger episode so there's a lot to get into here today folks and i couldn't do it alone because no one can ever do anything alone so i'm joined today with my friend homie and colleague claire Watkins, aka the scam originator how you doing today claire
1: I'm good. I'm really ready. I'm so excited to talk to our guest and kind of unpack this because definitely where I've been with this is it's been kind of moving. It happens so quickly and also very slowly in a way where it'd be easy not to take a second and just talk about this Um, because I was thinking about it this week and I was like, this is this will be like my favorite sports story of the year, if not the last couple of years. And it feels like it's happening behind the scenes. And I'm like, no, we got this is why we're here. We got to talk about it. We We got to talk about Casey Krueger.
0: We absolutely have to talk about it. And uh, we had to invite another friend, homie and colleague, friend of the pod, Bria Felician. How are you doing today, Bria? Thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: I am great. I am so excited. I've been in my mind waiting for this moment. And I'm so glad this is, like,
1: something positive we can talk about. Because, you know, I've been mad
2: for, like, three years. So this is very exciting.
1: (laughs) It's something that I never thought we would get. I really just thought that this would never, ever happen.
0: Claire, I remember, like... You wrote about it.
1: I did. It like <laughs> I you wrote like, about it at the beginning of 2020.
0: Yeah. Where this exists for yeah. Casey. Short. And I was like, what? And, yeah. and it's so crazy because here we are now. She's Casey Kruger. And she's right. to the Olympics. Uh, we're referring to, if you're listening to this podcast, you go here. Uh, you know what it's about. Uh, the greatest uh, defender in Chicago <laughs> history, uh, Casey Kruger is named, was named as an alternate for the Tokyo Olympics. And there has been a rapid development on the Olympic side of things for that roster. uh, Unlike the World Cup, a head coach, a national team can only name 18 players to a full Olympic roster as compared to a 23-player roster for a World Cup. Uh, but within that, they can also choose for alternates. And among the alternates was uh, Jane Campbell, uh, Lynn Williams, Caterina uh, Macario, and Casey Krueger. Uh, so there was a lot of excitement there, just sort of being like, wow, like she's she's going to go to Tokyo. But all of the uh, unpredictability with, you know, surrounding these games with, with COVID-19 and the pandemic and how everyone Uh, has sort of been navigating that globally. There were just a lot, a lot of question marks like, well, what does an alternate mean or what does that look like going into the games like this? And it turns out that rapid development is that even though there's 18 players that can be dressed, these full 22 players can sort of be interchanged. So we can really see Casey Kruger playing at an international tournament this summer.
1: Yeah. And they won't call her an Olympian, but it doesn't mean she's any less of one. So we're going to kick this over to you, Bria, because I was, I was, we were talking about it. I, we were DMing about it. And I was like, I remember, I, I feel like I met you over Twitter talking about Casey short at the time in that 2019 world cup roster. And I've heard you speak before also about how Casey Kruger was one of your entry points to the entire NWSL. So why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about, first of all, just kind of getting into soccer and then what Casey Kruger as a player has kind of meant for that.
2: Oh my goodness. I could talk about this all day. I'm like smiling. I'm so excited. So, well, first I got to talk about Chicago because that's kind of like the initial draw. So like by family my mom's from New Orleans and I don't know why but my mom talked about Chicago like twice and then in college I was like you know what after graduation like I'm gonna move to Chicago I didn't do that but (laughs) I was like I was like weirdly in love with Chicago and like it's like honestly it's kind of it's very random but I'm attached so then I started listening to Jamila Woods in like 2016 I'm like I was actually just listening to heaven yesterday. Oh, but I'm yeah. like, yeah. Was like, so
1: good. Yeah. Yes. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes. So it's like it really is Chicago rooted in like, you know, Saba, I love Saba. And like yeah. uh John Doe. And like so I really started getting in no name. I started getting attached to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then 2017 I started I was like by this point I'm like I knew about soccer. I covered soccer before but like I didn't really know about like women's soccer for real. But then I saw a game and I saw Lynn Williams first. And I was like oh yeah black girls like what and then I don't know how but I saw Casey short and then I was like oh wait she's a defender mm-hmm. she's from like Chicago she plays I feel like she was back in Chicago at this point because like I started going into like watching listening to old podcasts mm-hmm. which was talking about
1: like the ACL injuries and like playing right.
2: I guess yeah, she was, came like, back. We were, she
1: came back in 2016. Yeah. So she was. Okay. Yes.
2: Yes. So did she should talk. So it must've been, she was talking about that experience or something. And then I'm like, oh, wow. Like, yes. And then I finally, I think in 2018, whenever there was a the world cup qualifying in North Carolina, I went and I got to see her play in person. Cause they were like, I guess they had the second group mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is my favorite player now. Like, yes so that's kind of how I got drawn to the Chicago Red Star so it's like a, a mix of a lot of my different favorite things mm-hmm. but yeah I'm like oh yeah and then also of course like there's like her talent in being able to lock people down and every time I think about her um it was like I think I was super mad about her getting left off the 2019 World Cup roster mm-hmm. and then she just kept locking down Tobin Heath that year and I'm just like this is your favorite player getting knocked I- Locked down by my favorite player, but I still don't want to acknowledge her greatness, but whatever, whatever. <laughs>
1: it's so true though. I, the thought that I kept having too is like the thing for with, with Casey Kruger is like it's not just that she doesn't get her shine, but it's like it's because she makes everything look so easy and yeah. she's so she's like the most hyper professional person on a soccer field that you'll ever see. Like she doesn't chatter. She's not, you know, running around yelling. She's not, like, trying to do flashy things. She just shuts shit down, does her job, and then, like, that's it. And I think that there is something about that, especially in the NWSL, that if you don't get to go see games live, like, people don't fully understand exactly what it is that she does because you don't see it maybe as broadly, like, on streams and stuff. No, it's
0: so true. But, like, I love that you mentioned that during your your introduction to Casey was really maybe primarily through a little bit of her story, Bria, versus like finally getting to see some like live in game action from this player, Uh, because I think that's one of that's I mean, Claire alluded to it a little bit already. Like we need to propel this story like To the front again with with this player and her journey getting on a full, uh you know, international sort of roster like in, in this capacity, because this is a like I remember when when Casey arrived to the Red Stars was sort of this. Uh, she was really pegged to this painting as this player that at the time. Owner Arnim Whistler and, and Rory Dames were referring to her as like someone who has always, always, always been on their radar. That this was the player that they always wanted to bring home, essentially. That that that's such a part of uh that's such a part of Chicago Red Stars culture. And that uh, you know, you can point to several players on the team and they have these sort of, you know, Chicagoland roots, and that this was a player that they wanted to bring and build with uh within this current uh Red Stars team and her journey to Chicago really took a real left turn I guess for for lack of a better word I mean she ended up getting drafted really early in that inaugural draft she was you know picked fifth overall and uh was via Boston Breakers but she had one of those first knee injuries. So she, this is a player who has had to go through a lot uh in terms of coming back from significant knee, knee injuries. So ACLs and, and stuff like that, Uh having to like leave, like remove herself, get out of the space of like working her way back, uh maybe getting back, like getting back into Florida, trying to do some, some rehab, uh, you know, cause she's a Seminole out of Florida state and then really just like leaving straight up, leaving the country and going to Norway and playing her way back. And it's so cool to, to hear that part of her story. Like, especially if you're talking to somebody like Adriana French, cause they ended up playing together over right, in right. Norway on the same team and then putting and stringing together, starts stringing together strong performances in Europe. And at this point, this was a player that Chicago had always had on their radar Dory Dames will always look at those sort of those local kids and they ended up making a trade for her just for her rights, just for her player rights with with Boston Breakers. And then when the time was ready, they were going to bring her home. And so after getting those those starts and getting that that time in, in in Europe and playing and getting back to a healthy level of playing, they brought her back ahead of the 2016 season, which I think was like is really significant because you're coming off of this like post World Cup 2015, the Red Stars broke through finally to what was their first uh, playoff appearance in 2015. <laughs> it ended miserably. And then they ended up making a bunch of different, a, a bunch of different trades. And, and a part of that was kind of mixing up the back line. Like they saw the departure of Abby seg you know, they're like, who's going to fit in, into this, this back line? How's it going to look? And then they're bringing in somebody uh, like, like, Casey, like Casey Kruger. And then just watching her, had the type of year that she had in that 2016 run her first year back, like playing a first full season in 2016 was so, so impressive. Uh, in that 2016 season, Chicago was being looked at as having like at the time, the two best outside backs in the league, you know, in, in Kruger on on one side and and Aaron Wright and Gilliland at the time on, at the time. So it was like, this was sort of like a blueprint of like kind of having these two like strong outside backs, like one that can get higher, maybe one that could stay a little lower and hold things down in the back. And we saw that a lot uh, from Casey and that performance just in her first year back in the league is really what got the attention from, you know, the national team side of things. And we saw her getting more involved in camps. And I know we didn't do the podcast at the time, Claire, but I do remember a lot of the excitement that was coming out with a lot of NWSL players getting that recognition works, right, going right. into that January camp, because it was a, it was a lot of them. And some of them were, were from the red stars and it was like, Colaprico, it was, it was Gilliland and it was, and it was Casey short. And everybody was like something very, very special. is beginning to happen here.
1: Well, that's it's, part of the story, right? Too, is that Casey stayed. She stayed part of the, the U S story from like that point on, which is why what happened in 2019 was so frustrating. Um, And so maybe let's, let's like get into that section of it a little bit um, where the U S was like struggling to find outside back depth to this day. They struggle with that. And um, I, I will like, I will say this, and this is just like an, I feel statement. And, you know, this is not like professional analysis, but when, Casey Krueger was overlooked to bring Allie Krieger like back in over Casey Krueger who had been starting for that team. I was like this, there are a lot of decisions that I can look at and like understand with my brain, but this feels like an actual, like injustice being done to a player. And I don't really understand why. And so that's when we started talking about it. Right. And so Bria, let's talk a little bit about like, You've been follow you had been following Casey for years at that point. What was it like to see her get so close and then really just get looked over in a coach's decision? Because there's not much more that she could have done. I
2: still, it's like I really should get over it, but I actually am still mad about that no, because no. it's representative of like I think what makes me more mad actually for Casey was when Jill Ellis said she wanted players that already had experience and i'm like the whole reason they have experience is because you gave them the opportunity to get experience like it's like and you know and so right after that i messaged uh steph yang at Mm -hmm. all for 11 all for 11 i always Mm -hmm. get 9 and 11 mixed up because they're two different publications but Whatever, but I messaged because I was just like, I am so pissed about this. And I know it's like everybody's like, Well, I literally have a platform called the Black Sports Woman, but everybody's like, Oh, you always make things about race and all this stuff. But like, it actually is, even if it's like, um, not literally like the 1920s version of it, it's still the same thing. Yeah. It's like you're still valuing, or you're still not even, it's like an unconscious. Inability to work with a black player the same way you would work with a white player. And that's in that all that came up like whenever that happened. And then the next day, Marie Antoinette Cototo was left off of France. Roster after being like the one of the faces of like the uniform okay. unveiling, and I was like, you know what, do I do I even like soccer? <laughs> like <Yeah>. I <laughs> was that, yeah. I was getting so mad. But yeah, like just seeing that, and then you know what, what else actually hurt? Like just for her, I think it was that first game after they were in Utah, I think, and you could just see on her face, like you know, like you were saying, like she's actually like such a professional. Yeah, but you could right. see on her face like how much like that moment sucked, in yes. that like. Yeah. That sucked, like, as a fan, like, just to see that and then having to the play. Oh.
1: I and I think that, right, it was so disappointing. And I know I know this is true for you and even to a certain extent us who were following that very closely in 2020 when people started talking about some of this stuff a little bit more openly about how the U S makes players of color go play outside back and they don't work with those players or the biases in coaching that make players of color or specifically black women, they just make them rely on speed and they don't teach them technicality and they don't treat them with the respect that they deserve. And it was really interesting to see that all happening in 2020 when we were like, but (laughs) there was a really high profile instance of this a year ago and it just didn't quite it didn't trigger that kind of conversation in the same way so it's like a little bit you know i guess better late than never but um you're right the frustrations like carry over
0: yeah it's it's interesting to to see like fast forwarding a little bit to see crewer get this selection for this olympic roster and now there's like additional questions with somebody being left off and somebody like Mitch Purse. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these same themes are all interconnected and still come, in, come into play. And it just, uh, it it was. It was like so disheartening to sort of see another player kind of, you know, get, get left off. And then another bag of mixed feelings and like seeing somebody like Kruger being named even just uh, just as an alternate. And in uh, hearing her talk about how it was a surprise even even to her uh, being selected, not something that she was used to, that the last time that she had a phone call like that was, uh, was really, really tough and really, really hard news. Um, and I would really just like to talk about how, you know, how she sort of came out of that a little bit Because 2019 was a very, very special year for us to cover the Chicago Red Stars. And a lot of people are going to remember Sam Kerr and a lot of people are going to remember Yugi Nagasato and and what they did together and and all the cool things they did in front of goal. But I also really need people to remember what what Casey Kruger did um, in 2019 because I cannot I cannot imagine how difficult uh, that was for her during that year and then getting a chat with her literally like the the week of the semifinal where like we kind of sat down and and rehashed all those old feelings about not going to the world cup and having to come back to your club team and prepare yourself for a year that maybe you thought was going to look a certain kind of way and these performances that she was putting in week in and week out she she was named to every single like starting 11 of the month
1: defender was, of all of the months was she was literally defender of every title. single month yeah in yeah. 2019, you and might think that that would turn into defender of the year, but no, just defender of all of the months.
0: But for some reason, at the end of that 2019 uh, season, she was not voted as as defender of the year. And, you know, it's real. You know, it is incredibly real when the literal defender of the year that year, Becky Sauron, comes out and tweets about it. Like she came out and tweeted about it. And Sauron was just like, look. This is what happened this year. And uh, it's just uh, it was so, so impressive. And it just I think if people weren't paying attention to it, then I would just invite them to try to go back and maybe take a look at some of that stuff, any of the work that we did, any of the stuff that was written about Casey during that 2019 season in particular, because it was so, so special. Um, to see this player do what she did after being left off of a World Cup roster. And uh, I think this isn't a compliment by any means. because there's, there's a history, there's a pattern. There's a history and a pattern now that we could look at in NWSL and say, look at this black player who got left off of an of a international tournament and look at the club season that they had. And we're doing it again in 2021 <laughs> and looking at Mitch Purse. And I'm bringing this up and I don't mean it as a compliment. It's fucked up <laughs> that like a black player gets left off and then they go and they have the success that they have domestically. And whether it's somebody like Crystal Dunn or somebody in Casey Kruger, somebody we can even look at, maybe somebody like Lynn Williams in that in that position as well somebody. And now we're looking at somebody like Mitch purse. Um, it's, uh, it's beyond frustrating. <laughs> that's not a compliment. Uh, and people, I think there's a struggle there because there, uh, that's presented as like a real kind of girl boss move. <laughs> like there's a narrative around it where it's like, Ooh, look at what they're doing. And it's just like, actually, no, that kind of sucks. <laughs> and we should talk about it. Like that kind of sucks.
2: It's so true. That is so true. Because I think from a fan perspective, like, during the World Cup, I was actually highly stressed out by uh, the goalkeeping, VAR, just chaos. So, like, I stress bought my first Chicago Red Stars jersey. And, you know, well, it says short on the back, so now I have to get a new one. But, like, that was my first actually soccer jersey, like, ever. Like, so, like, I did not enjoy the World Cup. It's like I did, but I didn't. I was kind of hoping the U.S. would lose. I don't care. But it's just like, that also affects like the enjoyment of the game for me. Like these decisions of like, I mean, even with Lynn, it's kind of like, okay, you had, I know like people were returning from like having birth and like injury and like all this stuff. But like you had her in all the games leading up. And then now all of a sudden, okay, she's an alternate. Like, it's been like a year where she was like consistently there. So I just think as a fan, especially like, I'm like probably the biggest fan, not of all the people, but just of all my favorite soccer players of Casey Kruger. So like to watch that and I'm like, well, shoot, do I like the rest of these people? Do I even want to do this to myself? I am not sure. Like, I put up with Atlanta Dream losing all the time. Can I put up with the Chicago Red Stars losing if half the people are annoying me, too? And it's not even their fault. The players, it's not the players' fault that they're annoying me. It's, like, the people in charge. But it all trickles down because I don't even see them. Like, I know that they're at fault. But it just ruins the enjoyment of, like, the game at large. So, I just wanted to make sure I said that from a fan perspective.
1: I think that's such a good point though. And I do think that even for Sandra and I, we, the question that we keep asking each other is like, what would feel good? What would we want to see that would feel good? And sometimes you look at a team and you're like, actually, I'm not sure there's anybody here. This is not like talking specifically about Stars, but just in general, like there's not anybody here that if they had a great game, I'd be like, yeah, you know, And so that's a rough place to be because I do think, especially with with women's sports, people get very emotionally attached because there is a lot. I mean, the whole thing is just a process of representation. And if that's not there and you have these systems that uphold these biases and you guys are exactly right. Like, I think that there are people who think, oh, it's just player for player. And there's always going to be a player that maybe gets overlooked for a player coming back from injury. And there's always going to be a player that, starts for the team and then doesn't make the roster and then has a great club season. But you're right that it's not, it's all almost always black players being passed over for white players. And until that is no longer the case, we can't have these conversations. Like it's just kind of a thing that's happening and Oh, isn't it great that, that, that they're having such a great club season. Um, so now Bria, now you don't, (laughs) you don't have to commit to anything. Are you are you a little bit more are you a little bit more rooting for the US now that Casey is on this team? And Lynn. This is such and a Katarina. Yeah. This and is they a- still did it. They didn't really let them on the team. <laughs> they are being told that they are on the team. The Vlacko did say that he picked his alternates with the thought that this would be the case. However, we still don't know. Are they going into the record books as Olympians? We don't really know. I would be shocked if they didn't get a medal, but that requires the team to medal. You know, how do you feel about this team with this group of 22 versus that group of 18?
2: This is a great point because everything with me has like, uh, I have different alternatives. So like, I feel like Crystal, Crystal is going to be fine. Like Crystal is on these, like, you know, I love her and I think she's going to be fine. But if, and so I'm like, you know, if the U.S. loses, will I care? It's not crystal's fault that they set up everything like this you know Mm -hmm. but if casey krueger gets on any field or pitch in japan i will change everything and i'm like "Mm." because like i really do i was just i had an interview recently and i was like ooh, i really like ludmila from brazil um like you know i like all these different people but and i'm like very much like I really have been looking forward to the U S listen for a while, but if Casey (laughs) Krueger, honestly, yeah, it has to be Casey getting on the pitch because if it's different, Lynn has been kind of like, I mean, Lynn would have to score, I think for me to change my mind as well. But like, I feel like Lynn has been able to, I don't know. I think it's different when you're able to score, create opportunities for scoring. Mm -hmm. I think it opens your people's eyes to you a little bit better. But like defenders, it's kind of hard to like, I mean, having a defender MVP just seems so rare to me. So like defenders, it's kind of hard for to be more obvious about your impact, unless you're like, you, I feel like you notice a defender when they mess something up. <laughs> so, like, if she is able to, if Casey's able to, like, get on the field, I'm like, okay, now we're room, I'm room for you and your success, success. But I feel like Lynn is that I've kind of been able to get an opportunity to uh, prove people wrong. And then Kat, I feel like Kat is like, Good. Like, I feel like no, there's no like.
1: She's got the whole world ahead of her, man. Like, yeah. She, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. For sure. So,
1: you know, hopefully, it stays that way.
2: Hopefully, it stays away from Mitch, too, because I, you know, how people are. But I really am like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I would change my, my allegiance. Maybe my allegiance is not strong. You know, You'd say you know, like
1: I'm, I'm totally with you. I do think that, you know, I think also just the more you do this as a kind of job, you get less emotionally attached. You're just more yeah. like, well, the game will happen and we will talk about it. But, um, yeah, I think that if Casey Kruger plays in an Olympics, that is going, I, like I said, my favorite sports story of the year, absolutely. Um, and then it will be like, oh, I would like her to get a medal, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I just really would. (laughs) And even Uh. she was saying when she got the call from, from Vladco, you know, for her, she was ready for this chapter to be over. She had, had made peace with that. You know, she knew that she said, I knew I had a call with him. I thought it might go very differently. I'm 30 I just didn't think, you know, she went to She Believes uh, early in the year and she was still kind of working off that like hip injury and she didn't play a ton. And so I know it was a surprise to me that she made even that alternate list. I think it was a surprise to her. And it's that kind of thing where what always also rubbed me the wrong way about the US's relationship with Casey Kruger is that they would not leave her alone. So It's a great opportunity. And like I said, she's a pro pro always coming into the team whenever they ask her to. But when they would bring her in after the World Cup, I was like, do you mean it? Like, what is like, why, if if it's not happening, let her like build the rest of her life, you know? And so in that way, I am glad that she is getting, well, I'm glad for so many reasons that she's getting this opportunity. But one of the things that really kind of bugged me was I was like, well, don't call her in for like a COVID hardship because Alana Cook can't come. And then that's it. That's her last cap for the national team or whatever. Like I, so the idea that this could have that closure is really exciting to me. And the one thing I also don't want to forget to say is just that, Rory Dame said this when we were talking about her getting this call up. Casey Kruger, like Crystal Dunn, is one of the nicest, friendliest, most professional players in this league. And you want good things to happen to good people. And that is exactly who she is as well. So. That's not a question. Sorry. I'm like trailing off. Just, just like, it's, just
0: facts. it's just facts. It's just facts. Yeah. It's just facts. I think, uh, and that's like across the board, honestly, it's like anybody who's ever played with this player, any coach that's ever coached this player, uh, any media personnel who have in, had interacted or interviewed or uh, worked with this player, that's uh, all across the board, uh, top to bottom. Uh, hands down. It's like you hear a head coach say that in a, a post game media availability. And you're like, yes, that is a true thing uh, that you just uh, said about this player. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you, Bria. She gets on that pitch. It might, it might change some feelings for me because it's tough. It's tough. Like if we, if we can't, I know this is the Casey episode, but if we can't just look at the Olympics as a whole right now, it's tough. It's tough to get excited about it. Uh, the IOC is doing a lot of not good things, uh, specifically to Black women athletes ahead of these games. So it's tough <laughs> getting excitement for some of this stuff. And uh, especially those of us who like intend to cover it, like in a media aspect. I mean, you're running the Black sports woman. And there are black sports women who are going to be participating in the Olympics, um, and we're going to be covering the soccer side of it with the Red Stars players who are going to be participating in in these Olympics. Um, so it's like a real mixed bag uh, going into these these games. And I'm with you that if if Casey Kruger gets some cleats on that pitch, it's going to change some feelings uh, about about the whole thing for me.
2: It is because I've been thinking about this and I've been trying to figure out how to write about it, but like I can't wrap my head around it. But it's just like it sucks that the the highest level, and sometimes even in the US example, like for soccer, like the most money that an athlete is going to make, or at least a US women's soccer player, is if they're playing for the national team. But it's also like, like we're perfect examples of like, do we actually care about the US? As a country succeeding in something, like we actually do not care. Like we don't have this nationalism or patriotism. So it's kind of like, and then on top of that, who are these decision makers? Like the IAAF, the World Athletic IOC. Like we don't actually like value any of that stuff as fans. We actually just value being able to see these athletes on a big stage, the biggest stage you'll probably see for the next four years or if this is their only time ever. And we also value like them being able to get money. (laughs) So it's kind of like I Mm -hmm. only want to see them thrive. But then also then there's all the other stuff like the state of emergency and all that. So it's kind of like it does suck. And then I'm like, but also I want to see them like these players win. So yeah, that's I'm I'm glad we can talk about the the stress and complications of this.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I think you're totally right. That's the exact thought that I've been having too, which was you do, you get so frustrated with everything that the IOC is doing. What happened to Sha'Carri Richardson is so upsetting all of these sorts of things, what they did to Castor Semenya, what they did to other women runners. Like it's just like the intersection of racism and transphobia and misogyny is overwhelming but then you do, you watch the U S gymnastic trials and you watch Simone Biles and, and, and that team come together and you watch the, the track and field trials and you're seeing people achieve their dream. And it's so hard to say, well, that shouldn't happen. We shouldn't let these players, these people succeed and live their dream. And that is like the constant push pull for me because you're right. It's like, I want to see every person thrive, but it's so it's like midge purse now having to do this crazy club season. Why is it so hard (laughs) and why do these institutions exist to make it so difficult to thrive? And like you said, make the money that you deserve and have the moment that you deserve. And this is a messed up thing about sports Because a lot of times we treat these things as quote unquote Mm -hmm. adversity when it's like, no, this is an institutionalized issue that is invested in making life as hard as possible for these athletes. And it's a lot of different things going on in your head at once, right?
0: It's tough. I mean, we can even look at the institutions and really just Everything. I mean, we could just take a look at these two farewell matches that just took place against Mexico and the second one in particular, where there was a pre-there was an anthem moment, and ridiculous outlets wanted to cover this and target the team as like Hitler supporters because of how they were standing or not facing or whatever. And then it was just your classic viral misinformation, damaging, damaging misinformation. And make no mistake that the two players that were being very targeted in all of this gross misrepresentation were the two Black players among the starting 11. It's it's just another piece of information for people to be able to look at and say, like, when we're talking about systematic things, when we're talking about race, things of racism, things that these athletes, these black athletes have to go through on a day, day in and day out basis. This is just one of those many, many fucked up things. It's tough. And I think looking at a player like Crystal Dunn, Looking at a player like Kristen Press and now looking by extension, players like Lynn William, players like Casey Kruger who are going to be going to the Olympics, it's like, yeah, it's like I'm also like it's like I'm sure I'm I'm watching because I want these players to have success out in the in Tokyo and out in the Olympics, but I'm watching because I also really want these players to be protected and supported. And it's very, very important, I think, for the, people to also try to watch in that capacity as well. It's like, yeah, it's like you want them to succeed. You want them to have success. We really want to see these particular players get a medal, but it's like those, maybe those corrections, you know, because there were corrections that came out of the reporting from that. It's like, no, 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 you guys got this all twisted. And like, maybe those corrections don't happen if people aren't watching in that sort of kind of protective lens. For these particular athletes.
1: Right. It's so, like you know that the wrong eyes will be watching. So you also want like the right eyes to be watching. And maybe this is a good opportunity. Bria, let's talk about the Black Sportswoman for a second, because this is the coolest website, the coolest newsletter, these coolest, the coolest sports project going on right now. Yes. Um, well, first question is are you planning any sort of Olympic specific stuff for the Black Sportswoman, or are you just kind of following the stories where they present themselves? So Also, thank you because it's so cool. I'm honored. But I'm so like
2: what I'm doing now is just kind of going through the different different countries where I have people and getting people that are either on the ground or kind of like academics or like experts in that area to talk to me about different topics. So I just just had a Panama um, episode and then as soon as I finish adding the captions, which I don't know why I'm being so slow about it, I'm going to upload the Brazil episode, which will have a lot, it's more modern. The Panama one was more history. Um, So like I've been been trying to figure out the best and y'all probably know this feeling too, but trying to like keep up with what people are interested in and like what people are talking about, but also like not run myself into the ground. So right now it's very much like, a lot of interviews, oh, we have a Nigeria episode we're recording tomorrow, which I'm so excited about too. So I've been trying to like blend the history and the modern stuff. And I really have decided like, oh, I need to focus on history a lot more because I just found out yesterday about this Brazilian high jumper who her Olympic experiences, she was the only Brazilian woman in 1964 Olympics in, in Japan. And she didn't have a translator, didn't have a coat, shoes, The country made her do the Olympic trials like five times, even though she already qualified her and another black player. So like all those stories, I feel like are like, if, if I'm able to tell those, it kind of puts in perspective stuff like the players we're talking about that are getting left off constantly from their team uh, team gate from the games, basically from their teams. Um, I don't know. It just adds a little perspective, which sometimes makes it worse <laughs> or but sometimes also shows us like how far we haven't come but also like people have been saying this or like there's mm-hmm. a lot more people that lay the groundwork for the foundation that of like what we view women's sports as in like for not even just the us but like everywhere so mm-hmm. i really am enjoying that and also like learning more about the history of like black people around the world because i'm like
0: some of this stuff is crazy (laughs) (laughs) and it's true like that's what it is it's like it's not so much that it's like how you're saying (laughs) the history aspect of it and the importance of like getting it out there so that people could sort of just like see and nobody said that the the truth is going to be always nice and pretty but that doesn't make it any less true you know and when people are like when you get people who those with those sort of uh very specific or very kind of uh raised perspectives where they're like well why does it have to be about race or why does it have to be about this or why does it have to be because it has always been (laughs) and let me like show you the ways and why and that's why it's so important uh that the black sportswoman exists quite frankly uh love it we were so excited for you when you launched it and i love that it's still going and want to encourage everybody to Sign up if you can. I know you do, you offer a monthly, right? Yeah. Yeah. And And a yearly. Mm -hmm.
2: monthly $8 a month and then yearly 96, which I think is a great deal
1: because
2: I do a lot of research.
1: Listen, I wasn't, I'm not just like gassing you up. (laughs) Every time I read your stuff or watch one of your videos, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in college. This is amazing. Yeah.
2: And I'm trying to go back to school too, to learn. Like there's a lot of, like right now I spend a lot of time just, finding stuff by happenstance on the internet like it's kind of like if I was like an aggregator I mean I do actually interview people but there's like some basic information that are just behind the paywall like only mm-hmm. academics know you yeah. know how to like I don't know but researching as a journalist is so much different than researching as an academic I found and people will pay to, for me to go to school, which was this is very exciting. So, yeah, That's I really do think the history part um, is important, especially, like, when you were talking about um, Casey's, like, journey. Like, all of that stuff is, like, actually extremely important to understand the impact of, like, the 2019 decision and then this 2021 decision. So I'm like, oh, my goodness, when you were talking, I was like, like, I didn't realize what you were saying, that 2018 camp or the basically the or 2017 camp after the 2016 nwsl season i'm like oh like that's actually like very important for like the history of the nwsl and like all this stuff so history is very important and i'm glad that y'all like because i've been a fan i so i i think as long as i've been like a fan like oh my goodness i love chicago red stars is has the podcast exist to be able to support it like on Patreon and stuff? Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm just glad that we're like mutual fans because,
1: oh, yeah, absolutely,
0: <laughs> yeah, same, same. <laughs> All way. right, and I, I love it. I don't, I just want to say, like, on, on a right, personal right. level, too, like, Bria, like. As a Latina, kind of navigating the space, and you know, my paleness is the privilege that it affords me to navigate this space. I've been loving all of the content that you've been coming out with on the Black sportswoman via Latin America. Like loving the Peruvian women's uh, volleyball team stuff that came out. Having Dr. Javier on was so dope to to hear because it's it's so important, and I love what he was saying about how you're not lifting these, these faces up until it comes time to need someone to perform for you and to perform for nationalism. And those are all things that trickle down. I think not just in Latin America, but we can maybe take a look at any question on, on the American side of things as well. When we look at who our top athletes are in this country and they go out and they perform day in and day out. So it's uh it's incredible work and it's necessary work. And, uh, I've so lucky to, to know you, to work with you and to, and to, and to read your work. And I'm so thankful that you joined us today.
1: Yeah. I guess maybe just like my, my one last question, pivoting, we won't take up too much of your time. We could probably just go on and on and on. Um, so you've been busy. We've all been busy. There's a lot of stuff going on and it is really hard, like you said, to carve the time out, to do justice to the past while the present is still happening all the time um but has there been anything this year in the NWSL that's like caught your eye you're like oh that's cool that player's been doing cool stuff this team's doing cool stuff or it, this is a totally also fine answer have you been especially after some of the really kind of messed up stuff that happened in NWSL last year are you a little bit like you know what i'm going to let the NWSL do its thing and i will come back when i want to
2: i think it's been a little bit of both because as much as like the first two games, I think it was like the, th- after it was like the Thorns who, I mean, I've never personally like, like the Thorns, I kind of like the Lakers, they just kind of like, okay. right. yeah. but it was like the Thorns and KC, and I don't know what to call that team. They're kind of, they're just- KC,
1: WOSO, NWSL,
2: <laughs> soccer team. Yeah. After that, I was like, you know what? I actually don't have the emotional like bandwidth to deal with this again. Yeah. But then I see, I don't know, I really love all I love a lot of the players. I love all the black players. And I love Samuel. She's so kind of like just weird. I really like (laughs) like I really like her. And then like, um, so like I still keep up with everything. And then of course Chicago
1: is just (laughs) It's a struggle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like we're all in it together. We're in it together. Yeah. Yep. Four, please. Yeah.
2: Um, so it's like I really. Oh, you know what? Off the like uh, Gotham FC. I'm, first of all, I love their rebrand. At first, I was kind of like, hmm, but I love the rebrand. I love the the fits, mm-hmm. the catwalk. I'm like, all y'all need to have like. Well, I know it costs money, but I'm like, all y'all need to have a runway, and have like the stop motion because this makes me love the players more. Like, just but no, so that's like on the field I haven't been trying to be as emotionally attached though. I could I will be honest cuz it's just been like I can't get myself that mad. It's like I know it's going to happen, I'm like I can't let myself get that mad. Right. And then now 4 hours are gone and then yeah. Now I'm now I'm just mad and I have nothing to do with it except scroll which makes me more mad.
1: Yes. Yeah, no, it has been fascinating to watch. I think there are a lot of people who are in that relationship with the league right now. And it's really interesting because it's something that they love and something that they want to engage with. And yet you can kind of see you're like, oh, but when the feelings, when you feel, when you can get hurt by it, then it's not a positive experience. And it's, it's interesting to watch some people have to pull back. Um, but yeah, no, I, I am 100% with you on that. Uh, I don't know. Do we have anything else? Anything else, Andrea? Well, I was gonna say the <laughs> the one other thing. I, I was not gonna ask you to explain the Atlanta, what's going on with the Atlanta Dream, oh, me, man. but I feel oh, my. like we have to. I'm like we Every, can't like have Bria on and not be like yeah the dream
0: like WNBA <laughs> real 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 quick real. Uh, real quick.
2: <sighs> okay. <laughs> okay. So I can't remember what day of the week it was. Maybe it was like Monday, Sunday. Maybe it was Sunday. They had a disagreement right. amongst the team. Okay, so Spencer Nos- Nussbaum. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm like, I have never said his name it. But so he did a story that kind of like that's where I'm getting like the the timeline from. So they had a Kennedy Carter got two quick files. Basically, she couldn't go back in because I mean, you only get six files and it was like very early in the game. So then she sits on the bench. Cordy Williams is asking her, like, basically saying, like, perk up, like, cheer on your team or whatever. So then you go in the locker room, and then it becomes, like, a different disagreement. And I don't think anybody – I can't remember, but I don't think anybody, like, actually fought, which is what we thought would ha- happen. But basically everyone was so upset because it's been, like, a history, apparently, of Kennedy Carter, like, wanting to fight her teammates. And so some – I'm not going to lie. It was funny to see read that apparently she squared up with a teammate at practice last year and I'm like at practice like this is right (laughs) it's so funny because I'm like what um so basically there's history of this thing happening and then so on Sunday or maybe Monday Sunday everybody's kind of like drawing their own conclusions and like so I'm not I don't cover the team anymore so I have no idea like I actually have no idea what's happening and then so Monday night they spin Kennedy and so then everyone is like feels like Kennedy's being like attacked and she's the only one and like mind you we have no idea what's happening we still right. don't know but like we really at this point everybody's like Kennedy is being attacked and I'm like I have no idea what's going on I'm very concerned so then yesterday player well players were tweeting Courtney put Williams tweeted to defend herself and because people were saying Kennedy's not the only one that should be suspended and I'm like I have no idea what happened yesterday this is when I got extremely worried Elizabeth Williams, who has got to be the quietest person, tweeted in like just in defense of Courtney Williams, which is honestly like also saying that basically what Kennedy is doing is like basically messing up the team or like messing up the team chemistry, the locker room and all this stuff. So mind you, this is all like. I'm like, okay, this is just my assumption because I still have no idea what's happening because nobody else is saying anything except the players. And it's just so weird to have the players tweeting. Yep. Right. Their yeah, right. They're cleared locker room disagreements. And I'm just like, oh, cause I'm used to losing as we've talked about the red stars thing is not really like the biggest deal though. 2019 was a high and I do regret not going to that game because I thought like, you know, it'll be fine next year. Next year was 2020. But no. So I'm like, the losing part really honestly doesn't stress me out because I watched the 2019 dream basically win like eight games. But when I'm like, what? Do y'all not like each other? Mind you, there's no GM, no true head coach, the interim head coach. There's like basically four coaches. Mm-hmm. The interim is like, I'm definitely not trying to do this long term, which I don't blame him. He reminds, and it's not his fault, but he does remind me of like a math teacher. And I just feel like he cannot get these personalities. Yeah. Under control. And I really do think so. The GM got fired right after the draft and then the head coach left right. the week before the season. So like it all started
1: then poorly. Yeah. It is yeah. just like, it is also so funny. We're in like a similar place too, where we're big sky fans do not cover the team. So when they do things like, Wave their draft pick and go on a seven-game losing street where it's uh. like, we don't know what's going on, but we love you and support you and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hope things turn around. And there was drama with the sky too, with what happened with Gabby Williams. Yep. And there was a lot of kind of shade being thrown around at James Wade. And you're just like, What's going on? Are we okay? Yep. And well, I still am not sure. I think this guy is very, they're great and then they're not so great. And so it's like, I don't know what's happening.
0: Love, love the W, man. Love the <laughs> W. It's so funny because it's like, there will be moments where like we're doing, we're doing the podcast and there will definitely be moments where we're like, support the guy, go watch WBA. <laughs> and then, and then you have like Twitter moments like this happening out of Atlanta and you're just like, oh gosh. Okay. Joe's funny though.
2: Like people are like, well, not everybody can have as good as chemistry as Connecticut, because you know, like I think there's at least two couples on the right. Scene. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm like, okay.
2: <laughs> well, you you got us there. Yeah,
1: it's true. <laughs> well, well, all right. No, but you know, actually, okay, let's tie this back. We'll tie this back into we'll kind of put a bow on this. It is true though, and I think that this is something that NW M W S Hall fans feel as well, which is that. It's not even the worst to have a team that is not very good, but it really sucks when you see a team struggling to work together. And when you can tell that there are like bad vibes in the locker room and that people are like struggling. And that is also some of the stuff that you see in the end of sometimes. And so that, I think that that's true. And that's another thing where you're just like, I want to engage with this to a point, <laughs> but I cannot take these bad feelings on because I am my own self and I need to <laughs> live my own life. Um, Bria, you have to come to a Chicago red stars game sometime. I do. I do. I'm like,
2: I cannot wait to go back. <laughs> Cause again, there was a 2019 actually it was 2019. I think they, it's the game. They eventually lost to sky blue. It was at home. Oh, I was man. supposed
0: to come to that. And I'm oh, like, well, oh.
1: yeah. <laughs> was that the one the day before the World Cup final? Was that that one?
0: It was in the summer, right? It was, it was in
1: July. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. That was a rough yeah. game. It's probably better it that was. you didn't go. To
2: that yeah, one. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I did not feel good about that one, so I was like, "Well,
2: it worked out." But yeah, so but I am definitely I can't wait to come back. And yeah, thank you for having me too, because y'all know y'all are my favorites. Amazing. So.
0: Same here. Bria, thank you so much uh, for coming along and talking all things. Casey Kruger, let's all let's uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's manifest good things. Let's get that prayer circle going. I'll light some candles. Uh, let's let's uh, hear for Casey Kruger. Hopefully we get to see her out on the pitch in the Tokyo games. And again, everybody go subscribe to the Black Sportswoman. Support Bria's work. It's necessary. It's good. Thank you, Bria. Thank you. Wow, Claire. That was so dope. Yeah. Uh loved that we were able to get Bria on to the episode and talk about all things Casey Kruger. Talk about all things uh black sportswoman. Really take a journey in our conversation, talk about the like institutions and the Olympic being one of the Olympics being one of those. And uh Man, just so much good stuff. And um, shame on us for like, honestly, waiting till 2021 to have Bria on the podcast when like she has been a a Casey Kruger supporter for for quite some time. So uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Hopefully these Olympics go well depending on how they go, maybe we can have her back on.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. No, this is one of those things where, like I said, you want to mark down this history as it's happening. But if if there is a golden ending to this situation, Um, we should definitely talk about it and we will. So
0: right on, I guess we should probably talk about some Chicago red stars. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, they got a couple of days off and I guess so did we, right? We, yeah. uh, they got nine days, they got nine days and we took a couple as well, which I we're, think
0: we're, is, we're taking our cues yeah. from the squad. So we were like, yeah. you know what? We're going to record a little later into the week this yep. week. Um, But you know, big vibes i think in uh the game against washington spirit they picked up a win one zero and i think in previewing that match claire we talked about it on the podcast in the preview wrote about it in in the preview on, on the match day i'm like what if you just win for the vibes like no one cares about points maybe just get a just get a win for for some uh for some vibes and uh turns out they did uh, they got themselves a 1-0 win, and it was a real, just a old-school kind of Chicago Red Stars type of win. And while we're searching for things to feel good about, maybe that's one of those things that uh, this team can kind of go out there and still pick up a result like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know for sure, but like you would think that maybe in the flip side of 2019, that because this is a team that hasn't, had any kind of like star moments so much that maybe they're ready for this period of the season. You know, they've been playing without Julie Ertz for weeks. They, you know, will, they will miss Tierna Davidson. They will really miss Casey Kruger. Um, but I honestly, again, just like Cassie Miller seems pretty calm back there and goal. Like I feel pretty decent about her performances and um, I think she and Emily Boyd will do a good job in training, kind of like keeping each other, uh, sharp, and yeah, it was a real, it was definitely like Kayla Sharples' game to to win, and she did, and I think that's awesome, and obviously, there was that horrific uh, officiating decision that took a, the nicest, We. it's really funny, actually, because you know, we talk a lot about the disallowed goal for Kayla Watt, and we also, you know, everyone was raging about the one against Kristen Press for the U.S., and like, equally, actually, like, the buildup The buildup to that goal was about as nice a thing that chicago has done all year um and everyone who got a touch on it did a really really nice job and so it's one of those things where you want it to be a goal just because you want to be like actually chicago put a sequence together and that's kind of new and And so so you're like maybe they can keep doing that you know
0: it was like a theme to like point at and be like oh like, look what that team did. Mm-hmm. Look what they can be capable of. Like all of these things that we've been talking about over the the last several weeks, really, where it's like, how is that going to look when you're saying that it's going to happen? Right. What is the it and when is it going to happen? That was like the thing that yeah. happen. So uh, bummer, man, there's no other way to, like, you know, go about it. Just uh, the replay of that particular sequence was agonizing to yep. watch because it just so very clearly was a goal with the ball crossing the line, a uh, shout out to the rubber turf pellets uh, for emphasizing that it was like the exclamation point on that. Well, goal. Yeah. That and
1: also just kind of speaking, we're probably going to speak kind of fluidly about this one into the next one. Cause we're just going to do a little bit of a short one here, but um, thank God, honestly, they had a couple extra days because from what I've heard that Segerfield, turf is rough on your body. Very, very turfy turf. You know, we saw Trinity Rodman leave that game in back pain and the conditions do not help those sorts of little lingering muscle issues. Um, Yeah, so like I'm glad that they got a couple extra days to recover after playing on that field because that's how injuries can occur.
0: Absolutely. And it just they're entering this this Olympic stretch of the season for, for the league where there is not going to be a break uh, for the Olympics. So this is, this is it. Like this is going to be the squad moving forward over the next few weeks, at least, you know, obviously depending on the type of run the United States women's national team could be making in the Olympics. You know, the red Sox could be without some key players for, for an extended period of time. So I'm glad that they were able to pick the points Glad that they were able to pick up what ended up being kind of a scrappy win and uh, getting some minutes to some players who are probably going to be relied upon uh, over these next few weeks. And they're going to be back home. They're coming back home to Seat Geek Stadium where they're going to take on Houston Dash. And uh, Houston is putting some things together themselves. Uh, they're on like a two game win streak right now. They've been uh they were the first team to hand the Orlando pride, their first (laughs) loss of the season um, ending that really impressive seven game win streak for, for the pride. And so they're also another team, I think in a similar situation where they've lost significant players, you know, you're talking about Christy Mewis, Jane Campbell, and their goalkeeper, Michelle Prince, who were real big fans of on this uh, podcast, uh, Rachel Daly up top. So a lot of attacking pieces along yeah. with literally their starting goalkeeper. So this particular match, I think uh, it's it's maybe early to say that, but I mean, I don't think it's unfair to maybe look at this one on the schedule and say like, man, this one could maybe set the tone for both of these teams, how yeah. this yeah. next stretch of the season is going to go for them.
1: Yeah, I think it might come down to who misses their Olympic alternate more. Whether Chicago misses Casey Krueger more or Houston misses Sophie Schmidt more, because she was a very important part to getting that that win against OL Rain in particular, um, being a driver in the midfield. And the, the Dash do have Gabby Seiler available, um, but she hasn't gotten a ton of time for them. And if Chicago, oh gosh, it's just tough because. I can imagine this game where Chicago is going to try to control the midfield and feel like they have the ability to do that because Houston is missing. I think again, Schmidt is just like one piece too many to be missing for them in that midfield, but that's how you, you don't want it to turn into a Louisville situation where you are doing that. And then Katie Naughton scores on you from a corner kick or something, you know? And so I think for them, it's going to be, how do we not, sit back absorb and counter like how do we not go into this as a very underdog mentality tactically and still get a win because the two wins that they've or they've gotten three wins but one against Kansas City which I'm going to be honest I just like don't rate that much Kansas City's really yeah. um but the two the two good wins that they've gotten this season have been from that sort of scrappy absorb and counter yeah really defensively minded uh tactic and Maybe that's what they need to do every game. It's exhausting, though, to play like that. So I don't know what they're going to try to do.
0: It'll be interesting to see. Almost maybe kind of like a similar start to their season like Houston was having, like kind of uh, similar to Chicago. We're just trying to figure things out, stringing together performances. So it's going to be interesting to see these two teams go head to head, missing such uh, key players. So uh, I don't know. I think I'm I'm also going to. I look at somebody like Shea Groom and I know that she's like capable of having big matches, you know, in, in in Bridgeview. And just who she could maybe bother or pest on that Red Stars, you know, pitch. Uh, Danny Colaprico will be available again for this game. You know, maybe could there could be an interesting battle there if if she's tasked with the start. Uh, we'll we'll see. I, I would like Shea Groom to not <laughs> have uh, a strong game uh, in this one, and uh, I would also include maybe somebody like Veronica Latko in that as well. Like these are attacking players for them that they're probably going to try to to rely on to to pester the back line, which is now going to be without Casey Kruger. So I don't know. I think looking on the Chicago part of things, Claire, like for who we want to see have an impact. I think it's just going to be those, like those depth players, right? Like, Hey guys, like this is the time, like it has arrived. So like, we still have to wait for like an injury report, but where Bianca St. George's is, you know, in in her recovery right now might dictate some things on how the backline looks, uh, how the midfield is going to look against really a different looking dash midfield. I mean, and they're gonna have DiBernardo, Bernardo, Boldmo, Katra, like all available. You know, potentially for this match. Like, how is that gonna look? So, I don't know. I think I'm just looking still at the depth. I would like uh, I would like Kalia Watt to get another banker, maybe, and this time have it count. That would be good for her. I think. Who are you gonna keep your eye on for Chicago in this match? Who do you want to have an impact?
1: I mean, I would love for Mallory Pugh to get on the score sheet because I think that her activity warrants it. Um, I think the role that she's taken on, and we've talked about this in in good performances and in bad performances from the team, is that she's really internalized that she needs to be a facilitator. Um, But I want her to get that glory, too. You know, it's like I don't I don't want her to become someone who in always trying to facilitate other players on the team, she doesn't get like what she deserves, you know? So I, I would love for, I mean, honestly, my dream for Chicago is that she has a core around her so that she doesn't have to do all of the facilitating, <laughs> but you know, we'll get there. Um, and I think I would like, I would really like Biancas and George to have a good game. I know she had a rough one against the rain. I'm sure that that she is going through a process here of getting match fit again after a big disappointment And I want her to feel calm and confident and able to do what she is able to do because Jasmine Spencer went on a real tear for the dash against the rain and Chicago is going to have to, that's, that is, I, you know, actually I don't have it in me to wish Jasmine Spencer not to have a good game because I think she is so cool and nice, but, uh, I'll say this. I, I really, in the way that like Chicago got a little bit humiliated by Yuki Nagasato and Savannah McCaskill against Louisville. I don't want Katie Naughton to score on them off of a corner kick. (laughs) I don't want that for them. So I think that maybe that's, that's my, I would like that central defense to, to not to have a quiet game.
0: We'll see. We'll see how it looks. We'll see how it pans out. Uh, Here's the seeing If we can record uh, and talk about, two consecutive wins Mm. for Chicago coming up. Uh, Something Chicago is still looking to do this season, stringing together some wins. So let's see if uh, they could do that against Houston. Game kicks off uh, at 5 o'clock Central Time, uh, July 11th. So everybody get your tickets. Check it out if you can. Uh, It's going to be nice and
1: cool, cool weather.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting July so far here this summer. For sure. But a uh, lovely episode. Thanks, everybody, for, for hanging out with us. Uh, hope you enjoyed uh, our special guest with, with Bria Felicia. And again, plug in her again. Follow her and all her work at the Black Sportswoman. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, just know uh, there's a ton of ways for you to continue supporting us on our content. And the best way to do that is directly via our patron at Southside Trap. Patron, take a look. We've got all kinds of tiers and subscriptions for you to to go ahead and uh and dive into, starting from $2 all the way to $25. Pick one that works for you. Check out the perks. We got some new merch options within there. Shout out to Yuki Nagasato for creating the artwork for us on that. And, uh, you know, if things are hard financially for you, we get it. We've been there. Uh, just know that there's still a ton of ways to continue your support of our work. And you can do that by following us on all social media channels like Twitter and Instagram. Uh, at Southside trap pod. One letter P. And you can find us on streaming services like Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. So go ahead and find us. Uh, Leave us a like, subscribe, a rating, a review. That stuff helps us out so much whenever we're trying to make Chicago Red Stars content for you all. So in the meantime, be safe. Wear your mask when asked get faxed if you're able wash your hands wash your face wash your everything and uh, continue your support of black players and black life and we will be back with you all next week hopefully to recap Chicago Red Stars win